we really don't hold back behind closed doors, do we, Whitney? No, of course not. I mean, as you said, we don't really hold back most of the time. But when you put us behind closed doors, I mean, it is a game changer. The gloves and everything else comes off. That's right. And so to let you guys know, if you want more of this content, check us out. It's bit.ly slash T-S-W-L, like true sex and wild love, behind closed doors. And that's where you can sign up for the subscription and get all kinds of goodies. See you there. All right. I like to get straight to the point. You know, what's with all the fluff? So if you're ready for a discount, go to Sweet Vibrations, type in wild love to get 15% off. But let me tell you why you really, really want this discount. Because Sweet Vibrations has been with us from day one. And can I be straight up with you? It's my favorite way to masturbate. They have my favorite sex toys. But not only that, I love the mission statement behind their company. I'm always talking about sexual wellness and really destigmatizing masturbation because masturbation is a vital part of self care. And you know what? Self love. This should really be a part of maybe your daily routine if you're like me or every so often. But this really is a way to show yourself some love. And look, you guys, there's so many health benefits that go along with it. Better immune system. You can sleep better. And it releases all of those feel-good chemicals. It's safe. It's normal. We all do it. It's not weird. So if you're looking for a new sex toy, check out Charmed by Sweet Vibrations. They just came out with this toy. It's super well-engineered, and it's made to flex and fit into any vulva with all the sensations and all the vibrational patterns to really give yourself that big O. So if you want to check out Sweet Vibrations, make sure you use our code WILDLOVE for 15% off. They're at Sweet Vibrations on Instagram or www.sweetvibes.toys. Have some fun. All right, from better sex to stress relief to healing wounds to all of these things, CBD is where it's at, you guys. Some of you guys have already heard me talk about CBD, but this one is my favorite. It's called My Daily Choice CBD, and they have tinctures and topicals and face masks and bath bombs and gummies, basically whatever and however you want to ingest CBD in a really delicious way, they got you. So I want you guys to check them out. I use this absolutely every night before I go to sleep and I travel with it everywhere I go. I am that addicted to CBD. I actually thought that CBD was a joke, to be honest, for a while. And then I started using it on a daily basis and it really does make a difference in how I can relax at the end of the day and how I can sleep. Also, funny story, I burnt my leg recently, so I've been putting my daily choice CBD on my leg, and the inflammation is going way down. So thank you, guys. This is a perfect partnership at the perfect time. And of course, the True Sex and Wild Love listeners, you guys get a special offer. So hell yes, it's a 60-day money-back guarantee. So that's right, 60-day money-back guarantee on any of the products. So head over to bitbit.ly slash T-S-W-L-M-D-C. That's True Sex, Wild Love, My Daily Choice. So one more time, I know it's a mouthful, bit.ly slash T-S-W-L-M-D-C and you get a 60-day risk-free money-back guarantee. Mm, Enjoy, y'all. 
On this episode of True Sex and Wild Love, we sit down with the author of Eat, Pray, hashtag FML, Gabrielle Stone. This was a really fun podcast because she's super, super open, super vulnerable about what it was like being married for two years, her husband having an affair with a 19-year-old, then falling in love shortly thereafter, her heart being broken then, and then she goes on this long solo trip. And we talk all about the lessons that came out of that and how you heal and how to love post, you know, infidelity and post divorce. We both shed some tears in this one. We get really open and I think you guys are absolutely going to love it. Make sure you check out her book, Eat, Pray, FML, and let us know what you think of the episode. Much love, guys. All right, Wednesday, here we are back in the game, back in the podcast game. We're back in the podcast game. We're back as usual. You can't stop us. And today, Whitney, we are going to talk about something that I think so many people will relate to, which is getting your heart, not broken, but shattered into a million pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I came across our guest because our friend... Tori Deal, who is also on our podcast, was talking about her book, Eat, Pray, FML. And I really feel like, as you said, all of us can so relate to this. Yeah. I mean, so many people, it doesn't matter if you're married, your person can still shatter your heart, even if what happens to you is not what happened to our guest, Gabrielle Stone. Um, I think everybody has had a shattering heartbreak and it's part of being human. And boy, was hers dramatic, but she turned it into gold, which is like the ultimate revenge or, I don't know, just achievement. Gabrielle, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me. We're very, very excited. Okay. So, Gabrielle, just tell um, our listeners a little bit. Well, let me give them a little background. You're an actress. You're a successful actress. Um, and you were engaged to be married. And then things blew up. And I think you're going to read a little bit from your book, Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life, to set the scene, right? Yeah. So let me start with the synopsis. Um, I was married for almost two years and I found out my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months. Wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Stop there, please. (laughs) Rewind. Stop. Don't even try to move on. Okay. You had been, you had been married for two years and you found out your husband who was, how old was he? Well, he was a a year younger than me at the time. He was 27, but he was having an affair with someone who was 19. Got it. He was having an affair with somebody who can't even rent a car yet and whose prefrontal cortex is not fully wired yet. Okay. (laughs) By the way, not casting aspersions, but I have a 19-year-old. And so I just know what a... What a weird move that was of your husband on so many levels, but it must have felt horrible. Well, it's also like when you, when I see 19 year olds these days, they look like they're 11. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm 31. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't feel old. I'm not that old, but I see like 19 year olds and I swear they're not 19. Well, Develop- like, I don't know. Yeah. It was also especially weird because he was in an industry where he was working with 
girls and boys um, that were 16, 17, 18 as their mentor. So to see him then go have this transgression with someone that was so close to that age group was really unsettling. <laughs> Come on, you were married to two year, for two years to a guy who had an affair with a teenager. Right. I mean, that sounds devastating. All right. How did you find this out? Um, and- well, I talk about it. At first, I wasn't going to really write about it in the book. I was going to kind of touch on it and be like, yeah, I was divorced and I found out he was cheating and then this all happened because it really just sets the stage for for this crazy story. But I missed my calling as a private detective and all of my <laughs> friends were, they would sit me down and be like, you have to write about this. You can't not describe how you found out. It was like an episode of fucking CSI. So I ended up putting all of that into the book and and detailing about, you know, what I found out and each step I had to take once I did find out. And it was just a crazy time in my life. But that being said, I felt like it was all happening for a reason. We had been unhappy for probably six months the whole time he was having the affair, but I didn't realize why. And we had been in therapy. I was working my ass off and he was kind of doing nothing. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get this relationship back on track. So he really did me a huge favor and kind of set me free in a way and made it easy for me to just say, okay, I'm I'm done and I'm leaving. And I'm really grateful for that because it it led me on a path that that changed my life. I know it didn't feel like he was doing you a favor at the time. Right. Or that it was easy. Or that it was easy. (laughs) Will you okay? I'm told that you're going to actually read a passage of your book yes. from for us, which would be so great. And then, oh God, do we have things to discuss? <laughs> do we ever? All right. Please give us some story time. Okay, here we go. So this is the first thing you'll read when you when you open the book. Buckle. The book "Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life." Yeah. Okay, you guys, <laughs> buckle up. It all started with a kiss. One seemingly harmless, simple fucking kiss. More specifically, a kiss in the fourth picture of a photo booth that five of us were crammed into. Well, technically, it had all really started six years earlier with a different kiss that happened coincidentally to Prince's song, Kiss. But for you to understand the monumental life path that this kiss sent me on, I'll have to take you back to the beginning. Well, not the actual beginning, because who the fuck has time for that? But back a little bit to the first love, the artificial marriage, the unfathomable deceit, the seemingly insurmountable heartache, and the mind-boggling revelation, all of which led me on the life-altering journey I so appropriately call Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life. So one kiss. One, one kiss, kiss is all it takes. <laughs> Isn't that a song? Yeah. It's it a is. song. It's a sad well, it's a happy song. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life is obviously a, a little bit of a nod to Elizabeth Gilbert's yes. book, Eat, Pray, Love. But your book is very different. Vastly different. Tell us how and tell us just. 
Jesus. What? Wait, what about the photo booth first? Of all? Okay. Okay. So um, that's what's so crazy is that none of that first chunk really has to do with my husband um, or ex-husband now. Um, so I left my house once I handed him the divorce papers. And shortly after that, I met a guy and we fell madly in love with each other and had a whirlwind romance. I mean, meet my family. I'm going to have babies with this person, you know, telling all of our friends about each other. It was really intense, zero to 100. And he convinced me to go on a month long trip to Italy with him. 48 hours. I mean, who's going to say no to that? Right? And then, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Oh, uh, we're going to go drink wine on cobblestone streets together and have sex constantly. 100%. And he was hot and he was Latin. So it was like, of course I'm going to go. And mm. So 48 hours before we were getting on a plane, he told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. This is really who the story is about. He broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. Okay, I'm sorry. I have to do some forensics here. (laughs) Okay, I'm just in Gabrielle's head right now and having your feelings right now. You you find out your husband is cheating with a teenager. You've been married for two years. You've been putting in the hard work in couples therapy for six months. And then you find out. I mean, to me, I don't know about you, Whit, for me, the betrayal is not just the undisclosed infidelity, but it's also the, um, like making you go through this charade of couples therapy and not disclosing it there. Yeah. And making you work your ass off, as you said. And he's like, I don't know what it meant to him that you guys were in couples therapy for six months while he was having this affair. Point, dude. You know, let's just break up and go be with her. There's no point of spending this money and time and energy to keep up this facade that you're you're putting me through. Oh my god! And then after that, you go through. I mean, I know from girlfriends who have been divorced, it's a trauma. Yeah. And you you go through that divorce process, and then we just talk to us about like the state you were in and when you met this other guy. So when I, cause it can happen really fast post breakup, right? Really fast. That you fall for somebody. So when I left the house after the divorce, I had known about everything that was going on for about two and a half, three weeks, but I had been unhappy for a lot longer than that. And it was probably two or three weeks after I left the house that this guy and I connected. Um, we had actually met before I had ever met my ex-husband and had gone on two very casual dates, went dancing, made out. That was the extent of it. And he was the one person that I was ever able to be casual with because I'm a serial monogamous and terrible at casual. And God bless. <laughs> and so you know, he messaged me on Instagram and we ended up going to hang out for the day and it just was instant and went from zero to 100 really quickly. And there was nothing I could do about it. I really like couldn't fight the universe on the fact that I was, I was feeling all these things for this person and it was reciprocated fully. We were both like, Oh my God, what's happening right now? And go ahead. How was that like for for you guys? Because I know coming out of a relationship and going into one, it can be really scary because you're like, oh, shit, 
I'm, I'm planning on being single or trying to figure things out. And I'm probably still healing from my past relationship. So what, how was that for both of you guys? Did y'all talk about that much or was it just so fireworks and, and like passion and that connection that it kind of overshadowed that? No, that's the thing. Not at all. We talked extensively about the fact that I had just gone through a brutal betrayal and divorce and the fact that all of this was happening so quickly. And we had a lot of really deep, honest talks about, you know, our feelings and where we were coming from and what we were going through, which is why it intensified it all so much. So many people are like, oh, it was just your rebound. And I'm like, no, I wish it was my rebound because it would have been so much less heartbreaking when it crumbled. Uh, mm. it, it was really a spiritual deep connection with this person. Um, and it, it was intense. I think that's what makes your book so compelling and draws people in that, you know, you, you had this devastation and then you had this wonderful, intoxicating, very real feeling connection with somebody. And then wham. Okay. So tell us what happens next. So he tells me 48 hours before we're getting on a plane that he has to go by himself and breaks up with me more or less. And I was sitting there going, I'm sorry. Was there any explanation that yeah. you feel like yeah. tell, sharing with us? Or was he just like repeating some psychological pattern? What the hell? I mean, so he lost his brother a year and a half before to suicide. And I don't think he ever really dealt with it. He stuffed a lot of it down and went through a really dark time. When I met him, he had felt like he had come out the other side of that. But I think when he fell in love with me, it kind of opened up all these feelings he had stuffed down and he started going through an immense amount of grief. That I think was valid. And I, I believe that, but I also think it was paired with a man who jumped in full force to a relationship and then had the age old panic syndrome of like, Oh my God, wait, I don't know if I'm ready for all this stuff I'm committing to suddenly. So I think the two. Okay. So he's like, oh, guess what? I know we're leaving in two days, but I'm going by myself. All right. Just take us there with you. What? How did you decide to do what you did next? So I was sitting there going, okay, I know that everything happens for a reason. Normally I can't see that reason until I'm on the other side of it. But in that moment, I really clearly understood what was happening. Since I was a little girl, and I lost my father, I have had abandonment issues. I have never felt okay or comfortable by myself. And this was the universe's clear way of delivering a way for me to go fix that head on. And I knew that I had to take this trip to go heal that really deep wound that I had. So it never really was even a question in my mind um, that I was still going to go. And I decided to take my first solo trip uh, without any luggage, with just a backpack. (laughs) And obviously, because he canceled on me so late, I had no plans, no idea where I was going to go. He and I had originally decided we were just going to do all of Italy. So our plane tickets were booked to London and then connected to Rome. So all I knew was that I was starting in London. So he and I flew together on the plane two days later. 
What? Wait, <laughs> did you have to sit, <laughs> sit next to each other? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he actually picked me up to go to the airport. Um, we we were at the airport together for three hours. He actually took the photo of me that I posted that day, kind of announcing my divorce and explaining to everybody publicly what I was going through and that I was about to take this solo trip because I had been pretty quiet about it up until then. And we flew together. And oddly enough, everyone's always asking, God, wasn't that awkward? Didn't you... Like, I can't imagine that. And it honestly was kind of weirdly okay. I mean, besides the fact that my heart was in a million pieces and I was devastated, we it was almost like nothing had changed except we weren't kissing and holding hands. We really were just like, we still had that soul connection and it was weirdly not awkward. And um, so we flew to London, which is like a 10 to 11 hour flight. And um, when I... I got there. He, he walked me to meet and we, we said our goodbyes and I went off and started my own trip. And I ended up doing six different countries over the span of the month as opposed to just Italy. So I think I got the better trip out of the deal, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, no question. For sure you did. Plus, I mean, we've talked about this. Uh, traveling alone, I think, is like some of the best medicine that anyone can give themselves. It's so awesome. Your story actually reminds me of a time that I traveled to um, Peru and Aubrey and I had split up prior to this Peru trip before ayahuasca. But I was like, I know it. I really need to go on this trip. Or maybe I was just forcing myself. I don't know. That was the worst fucking plane ride of my life. I was like, this motherfucker. I'm like crying the whole time. I'm hi hiding under my jacket, just like plotting ways how I could throw him outside of the plane. <laughs> So yours is way better. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I get that. It, I think I was still in a little bit of shock and be so, so sad that it hadn't turned to anger yet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude, I mean, solo travel is life-changing. It was... It, that trip made me realize so much about myself. I healed so much. I mean, I wrote this book on that trip. You know, I wrote three fourths of it in my journal and it wasn't, it wasn't like I was journaling and then came home and turned it into a book. If you open my journal, it's like chapter one. Um, like the, the, the passage I just read is in that journal. It's, it's was therapy for me. And I met so many incredible people. I, I really learned how capable I was as a female and as a human. And it really changed my life. I think everyone should solo travel at once point in their life. So tell us, Gabrielle, by the way, I agree with you, especially for women being on your own, having a trip of one's own, a mm -hmm. room of one's own, a house of one's own, but a journey of one's own that you're just, that you're describing. I think it's so important. I want to just say one quick thing as a writer, Gabrielle, a lot of people can keep a journal and it's great and it's therapeutic. But the other amazing thing that you did is you turned a journal into a book that reads like a book. So don't downplay your achievement there, please. No. <laughs> and okay. Can you tell me now, can you please tell me what it was like when you just like set foot in London and you guys went your separate ways. What was the feeling? Did you feel like this is a great adventure? Did you feel like I'm scared? How were you processing it? It's so interesting because I thought that 
I was going to start bawling and just be uncontrollable the second we actually split. Because up until then, I had had, you know, time with him at the airport and we had been on the plane together. So it was A, it was a comfort when I'm like taking this big leap of faith. But B, it really, it, it felt like we were still kind of together in some way. So I, I was really worried that when we finally fully went our separate ways, that I was just going to lose it. And I remember saying goodbye to him at, at the London airport and we hugged and had like a, a quick peck of a kiss. And I turned around and walked towards baggage and didn't stop and didn't turn around because I knew if I did that, it was just going to, I was going to crumble. And the second I got to baggage claim, I felt so empowered and so badass. (laughs) I was like, I just got my heart ripped out of my chest for the second time in like, Twice. In like three months. And I'm here and I chose to do this and I'm fucking awesome. And it was this like overwhelming rush of just empowerment and, and pride with myself. And then the jet lag hit and I, you know. <laughs> but it- <laughs> how were those first days? Like how was the first night by yourself in a new place? Okay, I'm done. I just want you just take us through a little bit of the, because I feel like the beginning must've been the hardest part. Maybe I'm wrong. So it was, it was really interesting how my journey happened. And I remember reflecting on this in like the very end of the book, it happened in a way where the first place I, I went to was my girlfriend's house who I went to high school with. She, she moved to London to be with a guy. And so they live there. So at least when all my trip fell apart, I had a starting point and I stayed with her for five days. The first three days, they were both working the whole time. So I was off adventuring around the city by myself. But I had that comfort of knowing that my friend was there. So it kind of like helped me get my feet wet in this whole big journey. And I didn't book anything ahead of time. So whenever I got to London. I was like, okay, where do I want to go next? And decided on Amsterdam. So I flew to Amsterdam after London and I had actually gotten hooked up with a a woman that lives there who knows a friend of mine back home and she hosts people kind of Airbnb-esque style, but she stays in the house as well. So I didn't know this person, but it was a friend of a friend so it was kind of one step further outside the the safety net, if you will, when I was in Amsterdam. And then right. when I went to my next location, which ended up being Paris, that was my first hostel. So it really... And I didn't plan that. It happened so divinely right that it was like, okay, she's going to stay with a friend and then a friend of a friend, and then she'll be on her own. Like It very much was... was perfect for my it was like a progression like you and by the way I just want to say Whitney you and I talk about this a lot but the just the power of a girlfriend or a friendship when you've been through something huge I love the way um, you set it up Gabrielle so that you were going to a friendship yeah initially yeah I feel like that and I feel like there's a lesson 
for, you know, there's a lesson for everybody in that. Like, even if you're not in Europe to seek out friendship after this kind of devastation, right? Like, even if you want to just isolate yourself and you're going off on a huge adventure, I love that you first nested with somebody that you knew and you knew cared about you. What a smart move. Mm-hmm. It was a really nice balance too, because like I said, they were working the first three days. So I, you know, went from the airport to her house, got to see both of them. We grabbed dinner, went to sleep that night or tried to. Um, and the next day was 7am. I was out the door and off on my own for the entire day. So I was thrust into the aloneness right away, but I still had that comfort of, I, I totally agree with you. I would not have gotten through this whole divorce and breakup process if it wasn't for my mom and my girlfriends. They were invaluable to me. Yeah, I think that's like Wednesday said, that's such a big lesson is that being able to reach out to people in your circle or your family as support, because I feel like we so often feel like we need to go through these things alone and we have to handle it and no one's going to understand when really it's like sometimes we don't even need them to understand. Sometimes we just need them there or sometimes we just need to stay in their space even if they're not there, kind of like you did. Totally. And on the flip side, sometimes you need to go be totally by yourself. So I had a really nice mix of that going on uh, throughout this whole trip, really. Um, But the only person I, I knew knew was at the beginning. I want to just ask you a quick question because you mentioned your girlfriends and how you, you know, set this up in in the wisest way possible, even though you say it was kind of an accident, but you, then you also mentioned your mom. Can you talk about that a little, how you, you, you said that your mom was an important part of kind of building you up for this journey? Yeah. Well, my mom and I are really close. She's one of, I mean, she is my best friend. And, uh, you know, my dad passed when I was younger. So since I was six or seven, it's just been us. Um, she married my stepdad uh, a few years later, but it's still, you know, it's us. It, it, it's been that bond since, since forever. And it was really interesting, actually, because, I mean, the divorce affected her, I think, more than it affected me. She was so... Her, God, it like gets me choked up when I I can talk about my ex husband and my divorce till the cows come home, but when I talk about how it affected her, it like makes me emotional. Um, mm. We had to see her little girl be broken twice, and I mean, I can't imagine watching that and not being able to do anything. And mm. she had not only worked her ass off to give us, you know, this incredible wedding, but it was really the betrayal because she was very much so his mom too. And really stepped into that role because his mom is not all there for lack of better uh, terms. And uh, so I think she really felt betrayed on a lot of different levels. So she then had to watch me go through everything with the guy after whose name is Javier. And, um, And so when this trip came about, she was so proud of me for deciding to go. She was terrified. And I think if she had the choice, she would have wanted me to stay home. But I think the the pride and what she knew it ultimately was going to do outweighed that. So she was always fully supportive and and wanting me to go. And of course, we kept in touch throughout the whole trip. But what's interesting, and I, I write about this a lot in the book, 
is that the mother figure that was more vital to me, I would say, during this month and only during this month was Javier's mom. Because my mom was so plugged in and so angry and so triggered by these, especially by Javier, that it was almost impossible for me to vent to her and talk about my emotions and like try and work through things because she was so angry and rightfully so. You had to tamp it down. I mean, as a mom, I know I I would have been so devastated on my child's behalf that I get, you couldn't really, you couldn't really let it fly. Right. You kind of wanted to protect her. Yeah. I mean, she wanted to murder both of them and that's understandable. (laughs) (laughs) The mommy tiger comes out. I resonate so, so deeply with that because that's how my parents have been in the past with, you know, my relationship with Aubrey. And so it was like, it kind of got to the place to where exactly as you said, like she and my dad going through their own process and me having to go through my process, you needed somebody who was slightly more removed from the situation, you know, because they want to protect their little girl. Totally. And that's so valid. And I would have thought that the other person that would have been more removed would have been a girlfriend or, you know, someone in that space, but it ended up being Javier's mom. And she was so invaluable to me and, and so non-biased with the fact that this was her son that we were talking about. Um, she didn't agree with how he handled the situation. She was angry in, in her own right. Um, obviously she was loving him through it all. It's her child, but she was so instrumental in, in being a sounding board for me throughout the whole trip and really checked in on me all the time, would let me vent and say all these things about her son. And she would, you know, agree with a lot of them and talk me through things. And it was, it was wild to think that this woman who I had only met in person twice that I had she had only known about me for a month and a half before, you know, we went on this trip, became a second mom to me. It was it was really incredible. This is one of the crazy details in your book that well, like it's really like just extremely surprising. But I wanna just say, and Whitney, you could probably speak to this as a relationship coach, but it's almost like Gabrielle, you know, having experienced these devastations instead of closing down, it's almost like you opened yourself up to completely unexpected relationships happening in unexpected ways in unexpected places. Like the guy who dumped you, his mom becomes, you know, a really important relationship for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's cool too, is that you chose that. Right. Because I mean, when we do go through heartbreak, a lot of the times we do want to shut down because we want to protect ourselves from potential future pain. But what I love is that you had this trip planned, you know, and yes, it was with him, but you stepped into that, you leaned into that uncomfort, right? Because that's scary as shit to go on your first solo trip with a broken heart, double, like double broken heart. And it's just, it's such a powerful powerful move. Thank you. And yeah, it it's it was necessary for me and I get asked that question all the time, you know, do you close your heart off and are you more skeptical on relationships? And my answer is always no. And if I would have ever been warranted to close my heart off, 
and really shut down. It would have been after I found out about the cheating and the divorce. But if I would have done that, I would have never fallen in love with Javier, which opened me up in a different way itself. I would have never had my heart crushed. And that was the first time I had ever really had my heart broken. I would have never gone on this trip, learned so much about myself, healed so many different things, and written a book about it that's now resonating with women all over the world and men. I shouldn't shouldn't cut that off. Yeah. I get messages from men too. Um, but resonate with people all over the world in a way that helps them heal and grow and and take their own power back. So it's no, I mean I would always say I'd rather fall in love, get my heart broken, have the experience because it's all gonna happen for a reason, than to live cautiously and with a, a wall around my heart. I love that that is the upside and just the outcome and that you weren't looking for it and you weren't expecting it. It's like this book is very fresh because you take us on the journey of you surprising yourself over and over. Like at first it's that you're surprised by betrayal, then you're surprised by love, then you're surprised by really another betrayal. But ultimately then this becomes all about you being surprised by yourself and your capacity to feel and grow on the rest of your trip. Tell us about the rest of your trip, the sex, the drinking, the connections. I love this. So it's definitely got all of it. Um, it's I, I do, of course, write about my healing and my journey, but there's, you know, I had a one night stand in Amsterdam, met a guy in Barcelona, you know, met a guy in Mykonos. There's there's men throughout the whole book and there's sex and there's some regrettable decisions and some great decisions. And I'm going on a trip with you, Ned. <laughs> it was, it was, sign us up. Like, it's like a Euro trip meets my love put together. Um, Sorry, it's a Euro trip meets what? It's like a Euro trip meets eat, pray, love put together. It's got, it's got all the aspects of, um, of, of what the amazing trip should be. And uh, so I ended up, I started in London and then I went to Amsterdam, Paris. Um, what was after Paris? Barcelona, Mykonos, Rome, and Sicily. At ever, at any point, cause you're going to like very romantic places. Yeah. So at like at any point where you're just like, God, Fuck these couples who are just like kissing and making out all over the <laughs> eating their baguettes and drinking wine on this perfect pristine grass. Yes. <laughs> my first day in London when I was like adventuring around on my on my own, I went to the London Eye and I got on and it was all couples or families. I was the only person that was by myself and I immediately was so aware that I was alone. And anytime I saw a couple that day, I was like, oh, well, that was supposed to be me, you know, on my romantic vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just lived with it, it sounds like. It sounds like you took it in. Yeah, you have to at that point. You're forced to. And what's so great yeah. about being by yourself is that you're forced to, A, recognize the feelings you're having, and then B, deal with them and analyze them to a point where you, you heal, you know? You know, I want to say something because Whitney encounters this a lot in her work and gave me some insights about, help me think about this in new ways, but you know, it's so brave what you did for so many reasons, but one of them is you were confronting 
the stereotype that we've all internalized that if a woman is alone, if she's unpartnered, then she must be broken, right? right? Mm-hmm. And then in general, we kind of pathologize singleness in in the industrialized West. We act like there's something wrong about it or that you're in this waiting room. Like we think of singleness as a waiting room instead of a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. And it, I feel like par- your book is in part about that. Like one of the things that you take on so gracefully and without even seeming to is that you, you really, you really shred apart this notion that singleness is something to fix. Right. And what's so interesting, that's such a good point. And what's so interesting is that I, I did it or shred it, as you said, while being broken. So I really did go on this trip completely broken and not to say I came back and it was sunshine and rainbows. I still had a lot of healing to do once I came home, but I realized and embraced the fact that I can be by myself and be happy. And that when I realized that, that I didn't need someone to supplement that, or I didn't need a man in my life to make me feel safe or comfortable or happy, it was life-changing. Oh, that mm. is so big. That's huge. And it, That's it, huge. it only took me 28 years to realize that. But <laughs> Whit- Whitney yeah, always says... years. I mean, oh my God, some yeah. people are still figuring, trying to figure that out when they wake exactly. up at 70. Oh, wait, I can be happy on my own. I don't have to be with this jackass. Right. <laughs> Whitney always says you can't be in a relationship if you don't like yourself and you don't have a relationship with yourself. 100%. And that was the biggest thing I think I was searching for other than feeling okay by myself and my abandonment stuff was that I had to love myself. And people are always saying, you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else. And loving yourself is the most important thing. And I remember sitting there going, okay, I'm ready to do that. Can you <laughs> And nobody could give me a clear answer as to this is how you love yourself. I always thought it was looking in the mirror and saying, oh, Gabrielle, you're so beautiful. But I felt like a fucking psycho whenever I did that. (laughs) And (laughs) that was one thing I was searching for the entire time. And I'm happy to say that I eventually found it. I actually write it in the epilogue because I didn't get all the pieces to it on my trip. And it felt disingenuous to to write it in the the midst of my trip. So I wrote it as the epilogue. And it's something that I call the self-love cocktail. And because obviously I have to equate it to wine or alcohol in some way. Well, sure. <laughs> and um, it's it's really my my step to how I began to love myself. And I say you sit down and you write out all the things that you can give yourself that makes your soul happy. So for me, that was dancing and creating and meditating and eating well and going to the gym and then you focus on that list and you commit to giving yourself at least one of those things every single day. And at first it'll be a stiffer cocktail and it'll be more of like a vodka martini and you can only give yourself the gym and meditating. And then (laughs) as you get comfortable with that, you start adding in more ingredients until you have a full on mixology cocktail with like a dash of dancing and stirred with some creativity. And before you know it, when you commit to doing this every single day, you start to feel better because you're loving yourself. So when I realized that loving yourself is as simple as giving your soul the things that it loves, I was like, oh, 
I have full control over this. And this is something I can actively do in a tangible way that's going to make me feel better. And it was so simple, but it had never really clicked that way before. So it it really changed my life. And I think if anyone's going to take anything away from the book, that's like one of the golden nuggets really is that you have control over it and you can make yourself feel better with this. I mean, people listening, if you do nothing else, get this book. And (laughs) if you only read one part of it, read about the self-love cocktail recipe because it can really literally change your life and your relationship to yourself, which is where change starts, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. Gabrielle, I have a, I have a question about, um, so uh, really about marriage. Like what are your thoughts on marriage now after going through, you know, the divorce and the betrayal and now this, you know, self-realization and kind of empowerment that you're coming from now? I mean, you must be super picky about who you're letting in. Let's um, say that. Well, I, you know, as far as marriage, it took, it was such a, a to-do to get married. And we had this incredible wedding and it was this big hurrah and it takes so long to get divorced. <laughs> um, and it's such a shit show to try and go through the divorce process that I'm not aching to get married. I wouldn't say that I would never do it, but I I, I am in a relationship now and you know, neither, we kind of feel the same way. Neither of us We've both been married before and neither of us were like, oh my God, we need to get married. Um, But if we ever decided to do that one day, I wouldn't want a big wedding. I'd be like, let's go to Thailand and, you know, have a drink on the beach and I'll wear a white bikini and then we'll call that our wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds pretty good. (laughs) Um, But I'm not, I'm not against it in any way. I, I would never, never wear that off for any reason. I just... I don't feel I, you know, I did the big wedding. I had that dream fairy tale wedding and it's still, I still hold that very dear to my heart because that day was fucking awesome. And all of my girlfriends and all of my people were there and we have such great memories. We just cast the lead role wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's such a great way of thinking of it instead of being like, I mean, that's a great reframe. And I feel like your self love cocktail and your trip maybe helped you get there where you, you wouldn't say the things that a lot of us might say, like, oh God, what a mistake. I don't even want to think about it. Um yeah. about what that day was because all my hopes were dashed. You're saying something very different. Yeah. And you know what? I I might have not before I took this trip, but this trip and writing this book really allowed me to take my power back. Um, and I think that's so important when you go through something with a partner where you're betrayed or devastated, you have to find a way to take that power back and and ultimately forgive them because if you don't have the forgiveness, you're letting them win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just also- struck- yeah. Oh, go ahead, Whitney. Yeah, I was uh, I was reading on your Instagram Instagram that people are talking about oh how you paid for this yeah. trip and yada yada, and that you were like actually I sold my engagement ring and that made this possible <gasps> for me to go on this trip and I find that incredible because it's like okay great we have that was a a very big symbol within my life and now I can sell this to create something new I get to write my own story totally with the funds from that. 
I missed that detail. Well, I, <laughs> and that to me is so brilliant. It's so funny because I, that's the one thing I regret not putting in the book. So I didn't ever say, yeah, I sold my wedding ring and you know, that's why I had the money to go take this trip. Mind you, it wasn't an insanely expensive trip. People, I think that are seeing that video I posted on Instagram where there's all these like moments strung together. Um, think it was, you know, like a, $15,000 trip. I stayed in hostels and I I even did bucket list moments where I splurged and stuff. I still with Airspare spent around 5,000 and to get that 5,000 I sold my my ring and I didn't include that cuz I didn't at the time think that it A mattered or B that it was an important detail to the story, but I've gotten a lot of comments that are like well, yeah, sure. She can go afford this. It would be great if, you know, everybody that went through a breakup could just afford to gallivant around Europe. And I'm like, no guys, that's not at all how it was. Divorce is financially devastating as it was for me. And I knew I needed to do this. And I, I made it happen by selling, you know, something that was no longer valuable to me anymore. <laughs> hey, that you, you earned that engagement ring right. and you or you, you earned that diamond and you earned your right to sell it and do whatever the hell you wanted with it so haters yeah. shut up i agree because i mean let me tell you i just sold mine today so yeah this is a banner day on the true sex and wild love podcast yep i did it actually makes me emotional thinking about it because i think it just has so much um I don't know. It's exciting, but it's also like closing up a chapter, you know? Yeah. It, you, yeah. Oh, wit. Freeing or is it more like opening up old wounds? I think a little bit of both. Yeah. I think it's like opening up some old wounds of just like the realization and then and the moving on of that. But also it is so freeing because I'm excited about using that specific money to invest yeah. within myself. You know, like that frees up some areas to where I can be like, okay, this is where I want to spend that money to create even more expansion Yeah, for me. It's almost weirdly like the circle of life, like something dies and then goes into the earth and now it's reborn in a different way. It's like that, right. the death of, you know, a relationship now is birthing something that can go create amazingness in your own life. I love that way of looking at it. Whitney, I'm I had no idea that you had done this, but in my heart I was wondering what's gonna happen to that rock. <laughs> Aubrey, love you, Aubrey, but I was like, I hope she doesn't give it back to him because damn it, that was that you know, we live in a culture where let's face it, like I have an engagement ring. I love it. But some of the symbolism of that engagement ring, if I may say, is like you know, like they came about when women became possessions of men. I'm just going to say it. Mm. And so I love that you guys hawked those rings and and took the money and you're going to use it for growth and to celebrate who you are. I just, I love that. It just feels very right, but I want to honor how hard it probably is too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a yeah, big thing. It's a big thing. Yeah, my engagement ring means a lot to me. And my wedding ring, even though I sometimes don't wear them, I go through phases where I don't wear them for a long time. My husband is in a phase right now where he's not wearing his wedding ring. We, but but having them means something. So I get 
what it means to um, unburden yourself of those big, big symbols. God bless you guys. Yeah. Can I ask a really practical question? Totally. Gabriel. Yeah. My least favorite thing is when the world was normal. One of my, not my least favorite thing, one of my hardest things. I love to, I used to love to, when the world was normal, I used to love to go to movies by myself, take long walks in Central Park by myself. I love doing things by myself. Um, But the hardest thing for me always, whether I was single or coupled or married, as I have been for a long time, it was always eating by myself. I felt like I was you Gabrielle at the London Eye, surrounded by people only just sitting there. And I felt like when I was in a restaurant by myself, I was like in the spotlight that somehow suggested, oh, here I am uncoupled. Something must be defective. Something must be wrong. I hear lots of women say that their one stumbling block is eating in a restaurant alone. Gabrielle, how did you handle that? And I think it's just a metaphor for some of our listeners to come up with a way to not feel like singleness means being broken or defective? Yeah, that's a great question. And to be honest, it took me a while on that trip to get used to it. But I would usually take whatever book I was reading at the time or most of the time my journal because I was writing so much. So I would go to a cafe for lunch and order and write for three hours. So it kind of like got me into the comfort space of the fact that I was there alone at a table, but I was doing something um, at the time. So it, it didn't as, feel as awkward. But yeah, that's, that's one thing that is definitely, even on my, my second solo trip that I took by choice, um, it, it takes a while to get reused to that. It's, it's not, I don't think it's a normal feeling because we're so conditioned in society to have so much stimulation going on and always be with people when you're going out to eat. Um, so it's, yeah, it definitely takes some getting used to, but I think the best way to have an easier transitional time with it is to take a book or to take something to write with. So you're, you know, feeling like you're being active alone. I love that advice. I feel like everybody, especially women can, learn something from that like they can from your book, Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool because I, 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 like you said, it came from your journal and it feels like this is basically your diary and you just put it out there for people to read. And I was just talking to someone this morning and, and she was, I had a client of mine and she was talking about the things that she posts online that when she really shares her heart and is vulnerable in that way, that's when you know, her followers or her community respond in like such a deep way. And there's more of that connection and you're just doing it on such a a grand scale. It's really inspiring to watch. Thank you. And I think that's what your client said. I think that's so true and so important. I remember when I was going on this trip, I posted that first picture where I kind of announced my divorce and said what was going on and that I was taking this trip. And my plans at the time were to put my phone away and really kind of disconnect while I was on this journey. And from the time I posted it, that two-hour span before I got on my plane, I got hundreds and hundreds of messages from people saying, this changed my life. I'm so 
thankful to see this post today. I need to keep following you. This totally changed my outlook on such and such. And so I decided then that I was going to be really open and transparent and share all these different steps on my journey. And some of that meant showing up not great and being like, Hey guys, I'm really fucking broken and I don't know what to do with myself today. And I've cried and this and that. And then some posts are amazing and fun and partying in different countries. But I'm so thankful now that I did that because people that read the book now go back and stalk my Instagram and have like a visual aid as to what they're reading. And it's it's a fun kind of interactive thing with the book that everybody loves. So I'm I'm thankful that I I chose to do that. And I think it's important that all women are open and authentic and honest on Instagram because there's such a layer of facade bullshit that is really unhealthy and needs to to stop because not everybody's life is perfect, not near perfect. Mine sure isn't. So <laughs> speaking of social media, and yeah, thank you for that point about so much of what we see is curated. And it's really cool how you put the good and the bad there, Gabrielle. I really appreciate it. Tell people how, in addition to buying your book, how they can find you on social media, uh, okay. follow you, connect with you. So the book is exclusively on Amazon. It's in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. And then the audiobook's on Audible as well, obviously. And um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Gabrielle Stone. And the book is at Eat, Pray, FML. There you go, guys. Check her out. I mean, it's it, it's a really fun story to read. I read it on my couch multiple times. I remember one night I basically went through like a half bottle or a full bottle of wine and I just couldn't put the book down. Like this is self-care. Drink this whole thing and keep reading this book. Great fun reading. Being single does not mean being alone. No. No. That's right. All right. Much love, everyone. Thank you, Gabrielle. Love you guys. Thanks for having me on, guys. Such a fun episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And if you did, please go on to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, It really helps the success of the podcast and spreading this message. Much love, guys.